Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're glad to see you here today. Are you guys excited about the feature presentation? Yeah, I'm excited. My name is uh, Cynthia Griffith. I'm one of the pastors here at One Chapel Lake Travis. And we are part of a family of neighborhood churches here in Austin. And we're glad to have you here in the family today. And the Lord is doing something great in Austin, is he not? He is. He is. And uh, we've become a magnet to people. Like 50,000 of them a year, right? <laughs> you don't sound excited about it. It's a good thing. Pastor Ross has been reminding us that it is a good thing. He is drawing people here on purpose because that way they can hear about him. It's a good thing. We get to host them. In fact, a lot of us are some of the transplants, right? And we are way behind the number curve of what is needed to provide churches here. Like before anybody moved to town, we still didn't have enough churches. And now people are moving in cities full of them every year. And so we have a big vision for planting churches here in Austin. So um, I just want to ask us to pray for a second. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for what you're doing here at One Chapel, Lake Travis. And thank you for what you're doing in our hearts even right now. We just love you and invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what an awesome weekend was last weekend at Falltober. Would you please stand if you volunteered at Falltober? And let's give everybody a round of applause. Yeah, jump up. Come on. Look at that. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for giving your time and your talent and your finances and your heart to welcome our extended family and all of our neighbors for the afternoon. And this is a place that wants to just grow and love on the neighbors around us. And uh, believe it or not, this is our seventh church plant that Hyde and I have been in. And uh, we're not church hoppers. We just happen to have lived a lot of places. And um, so, because Hyde has been constructing big projects, so we've moved to different places. So over the last 25 years, we've been in a church plant in, of all places, Las Vegas. That was our first church plant. And um, there are churches in Las Vegas. Jesus likes to hang out with sinners. It's a target-rich environment. And um, <laughs> I lived there, too. I was a sinner. Um, we uh, planted churches in South Florida and in Orlando and Houston and in College Station. And now we're a part of this one here in Spicewood and part of a whole bunch in Austin. And um, while we're in Florida at the church plant there, we did a Bible study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Have any of you ever done that? Yeah, it was, it, it was just a profound Bible study. And there's this, there is a quote that Henry Blackaby gave that has stuck with me over all of these years um, about, because when you move, you know, you start over again. And the quote was, um, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. 
watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. So that's something that has been in me and in us to look and see where he's working. Um, And let's look at John 5, because this is where it comes from, these verses. But Jesus answered them and said, my father is working until now, and I am working. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all the things he himself is doing. And greater works, listen to that again, and greater works than these will he show them so that you may marvel. So we get to see what the father is doing and join him in it. And we all get to marvel. And the father is working here in Spicewood. And you are joining him in it. You are here with a purpose and on purpose. It is not by chance. And we've been taking the last few weeks to look at a series called All That Matters and looking at legacy and what does it look to live a life of legacy. And uh, Pastor Ross gave us a great definition. Legacy is living a life that lives beyond you. So living a life that lives beyond you. And I was researching the roots of the word legacy, and I found that in, uh, it comes out of the 14th century, a word legacy spelled I-E instead of Y, and it's from a medieval root, and legacy is defined as a body of persons on a mission. So not just you leaving a legacy for your descendants, which I fully believe in and want to do, but a body of persons sent out on a mission. And then there's a second uh, Latin root that where the word legacy is, uh, comes from the word legatus, which is an ambassador, an envoy, a deputy. So we are on a mission together, set as ambassadors into our world, doing something that is beyond us. Because we have the king that we're following, and he's revealing things, and he moves on our behalf. It's beautiful, isn't it? So, we're on a mission. We are a legacy. Well, so, while I was preparing, I also had another definition of legacy come to mind. I was up late one night, uh, actually up most of the night, and I happened to do something that I haven't done before, and I opened up my phone, and I was listening to a series of prayers that um, I have had recorded. I take prayer really seriously, and there are certain times when someone has prayed over me where I knew the Lord was speaking to me, and I would stop them, and I would get my phone and say, hold on, we say that in my phone. <laughs> You know, because I didn't want it to just fall by the wayside. I wanted to take it seriously. So I was listening to some of these. And one in particular, I was listening to um, a prayer that someone prayed over me uh, before I moved here. It was actually that prayer that was part of us moving here to Spicewood. And in that prayer, this this um, woman, who, I don't even know her name, but she said, I saw you and your husband like together like one heart unified as one big heart and that you were being sown in the ground and, and, and the Lord was taking like a garden stake and just like, you know, pounding, (laughs) pounding you into the ground. (laughs) Like, Oh, I think I feel that sometimes. Um, but anyway, she said every time it was struck, like all these other hearts came out of it, like, like rain and they became like seed in the ground. She said, and I just see this word legacy. And I was up 
you know, and I'm like, oh, hey, that's like that message that I'm supposed to be preparing for legacied. And so we have legacy and we have legacied within us to sow. And so I want you to carry that picture with you as we continue on. So um, I told you we've moved a lot, but since I was a little girl and in the military, I've actually moved 24 times. And um, so this was my 24th. I don't know why I added them up one time, but you know, once after you get past 20, you're like, wow, that's a lot. But you learn a lot because of that. And, um, but I've had something my mother gave me when I was a child. It was a little stained glass painted window. And it said, bloom where you are planted. And so wherever I have been transplanted, it's been in my heart to like, Bloom there. It looks different wherever you are. But so bloom where you are planted has been on my heart. And I actually do like to plant gardens. And I love flowers and I love vegetables. I don't really love weeds, but they come with the garden. They're a necessary evil, apparently. That the garden in heaven is going to be weedless. Um, Thank God. Um, Anyway, here are some seeds from my garden. And um, they, they pop open really fun. They actually pop loudly. You think somebody has a BB gun. And then they kind of twist and twirl and open up, and you can see them in there. It's actually from a plant called a Pride of Barbados. I have a picture of it. And you see them all over Austin. And one of the reasons I bought a plant and transplanted it when I first moved here was because I saw it everywhere. And I assumed it was a native because it grew so well. But like me, it's a transplant. But apparently, it grows well here. I put it at the back of my yard where it was the most rocky, and I couldn't actually even reach the hose out to it, but it grew. just It was beautiful. And so when it produced seed pods three years ago, I gathered them. And so at the beginning of this summer, I took them into a place in my yard that I wanted to cover, uh, cover some things up, and I just sewed a line of them. And like the end of summer, they are six and seven feet tall, blooms everywhere, and full of seed pods. Way more. I mean, this is just a small portion of them. Um, but way more than I could even sow in my garden now, right? They, it, they produce exponentially. So God designed seed theory, and one seed has exponential potential. Exponential. This is just one year, right? And this is basically one plant that I haven't even pulled all the seed pods off of. And I've got tons of them. So it's a great visual. Now listen to what Jesus says about the tiniest of seeds. So Jesus was teaching his disciples a parable in Matthew 13. And he says, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of seeds, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nests in its branches. So a tiny seed can become a great tree. And you can't judge a great tree by the tiny seed that it came from, can you? You don't know. So a wild mustard seed, as he was talking about, these teeny tiny ones, one mild mustard seed can produce over 3,500 seeds in a year. Interesting fact, just because I was researching, there is a weed in the Midwest that farmers can't stand called an amaranth, and it produces one plant, 500,000 to 1 million seeds a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's why chemicals were invented, I think. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scientist in me. Can you tell? Let's look at God's seed theory starting in Genesis. So that's where seed theory starts. So let's look in Genesis 1.11. This is the first time you see the word seed. So Genesis 1.11 says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. So his plan was seeds, plants and seeds. And then in verse 29, he says, God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you and shall be for food. So one seed can provide way beyond itself, right? That's God's seed theory. One seed can, can maybe make you less hungry for a second, but you plant it in the ground and you can have a harvest, right? It provides for us. So I want you to look at a picture of some of the different types of seeds there are. You have no idea. Like I can look up there and think, I, I don't even know what those seeds go to. I don't even recognize any of them. And you know that they're all different. They could be grain. They could be trees. They could be fruit. They could be vegetables. You don't know. He has so many different types of seed. And then there's another type of seed that you may not be thinking of at the moment, but it also was first mentioned in Genesis, and it's in Genesis 3. So the next type of seed happens in a garden where Adam and Eve are, and Adam and Eve had just sinned. They actually ate some fruit. I don't know whether they ate the seed or not, but they ate fruit that they weren't supposed to, right? So there was one thing that they weren't supposed to do, but they did it. And they're in the garden and they've hidden themselves and they've covered themselves. And God says, why are you hiding? They've never hidden themselves from him before. And so, yeah, I mean, it all comes out. I took it. I ate it. I wasn't supposed to. And that serpent deceived me. And I want you to uh, look at what God's response was to the fact that that serpent deceived her and caused this to happen. So in verse, uh, in chapter three, verse 15, this is what the Lord says to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and this woman and between your seed. So the seed of the enemy and her seed, capital S, you know, what seed will come from her and he shall crush your head. It says bruise. Another version says crush. I like crush better. And you shall bruise his heel. So in response to the need, which was the problem of sin, the father sowed seed, his son. So Jesus is a powerful seed. And he crushes the enemy's plans over our lives. And in John 12, Jesus speaks of it himself. He, he replies to them and says, now is the time for the son of man to be glorified. And he says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops to the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. 
But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. He's our model, right? Detaching and sowing ourselves in however he wants to sow us. Not necessarily how we might choose to. There is eternal satisfaction and reward in giving your everything to Jesus. Everything. And Jesus crushes the enemy's head on our behalf. That's who he is. So Jesus sowed with eternity in sight. Like he gave it all and sowed himself because he had a vision of eternity that includes all of us, right? And all the people in Austin. He had a much greater picture and he responded to that. So God never intended you or I to live an ordinary life. That's not what he intends for us. Not an ordinary life. God always intended for you to live beyond yourself, right? To do greater things that you could never do just on your own. So look at first Peter two, nine, he says, but you are God's chosen treasure priests who are Kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast like cast broadly his glorious wonders throughout the world. Do you get it? Do you have a visual? We get to broadcast his glorious wonders. We get to sow legacy. We get to sow legacy ourselves. So remember the picture of seeds. You picture all the different types of seeds. I want you to look at the glorious wonder seeds that are in you. They look a little bit different. That's not what you expected, is it? Every time you look at your phone, you're just not going to forget this. You have all sorts of seeds and these are just a few. And think about all the emojis that exist in your phone. There are so many different little seeds within you to sow. There is your love and your worship and your prayer and your laughter, which is good medicine and your time that you create to give to others and invest in their lives and the things that you build, the things, your abilities that you have. And of course I chose the coffee cup because I think coffee is a ministry. (laughs) It ministers to me. I like to minister to others. I'm thankful for the ministry of coffee here. And there's the people that you greet, you know, some of you are gifted with being friend makers and some of you, you do it sacrificially. You don't, I mean, it's not, doesn't come naturally. You're like, okay, I know I got to do this, you know, and, and you're musicians, you're singers, you're, you, you're amazing group of people in this room. And then you have seeds of money and treasure and then, oh, and then there's some other seeds. Those might be like those Midwestern weed seeds, you know, you know, the, the seed that throws up your junk on other people or we'll let the reader understand the last one down there. I, I, I think you can figure it out. So, um, anyway, I, I want to just pick four of them. The first one I want to look at of seed. I just want to draw your attention to is the seeds of love. The seed of love, which we get to love others with hearts full of compassion. Matthew 9, 36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
I think that when he looks at Austin, he has compassion on the sheep without a shepherd. He sees the loss. He has compassion for them. And we get to partner with that compassion for others. Um, In in Matthew 13, he talks about sowing seed. And you know the story. The sower goes out to, to sow seed. And as he sows his seed, some of it falls um, onto paths where the birds come and devour it. Some of it's sown into the rocky areas where it takes a little bit of root, but then it doesn't last. Sometimes the seed falls um, on the places where the thorny plants are, the thorny weeds, and it kind of chokes them out. And then there's the seed that falls on the good soil, right? We always like the good soil seed, right? Well, having compassion for others and loving them is like sowing seed that same way. Like sometimes you sow it on the path And it gets devoured by somebody and not returned. Or sometimes you sow it in a really rocky place and it looks like something's going to come and it, it just doesn't come to fruition. Or you sow it in the place where there's the thorny person. And it's actually painful. You loving them is painful to you. Like you having compassion on them hurts your heart. Right? And then there's the ones where you sow the seed and it's good soil and it grows up and you have a lifelong friend, right? You have a lifelong friend, but we don't get to choose. We get to broadcast, right? We're called to love and have compassion and we don't know what part it's going to fall on. So it's a risk, right? But we're willing to take the risk. I'm willing to take the risk and it's a real risk. I'm not going to downplay it. But love that is known is shown, right? Love that is known is shown. So another type of seed you carry are your God-given abilities, your talents. And this is a super talented room. You guys are amazing, the things that you can do, build, create, take care of, imagine, bring into existence. Just, I mean, Faultober itself is a picture of all of you and your abilities shining, Right? And you volunteer at Team One every week. You are consistently sowing your talents and seeds into eternity. And you reap from that. Jesus is like that. He's the most talented and most able person ever to exist. And he still exists. And he's there to help us. Right? He, he can do all things at exponentially great level. And he helps us. And I want you to um, listen to John fourteen twelve. And uh, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father. So because he is there, he enables us to do greater things than we can do on our own. And I'm telling you, I believe that there are greater things in Austin for us to do. Like we have, you have, we have seeds to sow into this community, into the government, into the arts, into entertainment, into families, into churches, into media, into education and business. Like the garden of Austin, there's a different picture for it than the enemy has right? But the Lord crushes the enemy and he causes us to go and sow seed. We sow ourselves. So we're here on purpose. You're here in Austin on purpose. So a lot of times you take that ability and you partner it with the next seed, which is your time, your time, your time is a seed. You get to invest it in specific places. So let's look at what Jesus said about this in Matthew nine 36. I'm going to give you a particular perspective of time. 
When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. So as you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to thrust out more reapers to harvest his grain. So it takes time to reap the harvest. It takes time to reach out, right? It takes time. It takes time to invite people. It takes time to talk to your neighbors or your coworkers. It takes time. So who will take the time to reap the harvest? I'm going to be honest. We live in Austin, and we live in a chill out, sit out under the lights, drink a cold drink, and be entertained culture. And for a certain amount of time, that's great. I enjoy it. But for a lot amount of time, it's a waste of who we are, right? But that's our culture. And yet he has us called to something else, right? We, we rest, we can rest so much that we come tired and then we rest some more. We become retired and we need to be re-fired, not re-tired. Now, you could stop working. That's fine. But you've got plenty of other stuff to do. And Miss Ernestine will tell you, she goes to work every morning. She's 94. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who's re-fired, not retired. So a massive study in America found that the most productive ages in a man's life are between 50 and 80. The average age of a Nobel Prize winner is 62. Of a CEO in a Fortune 500 company is 63. And of pastors in the 100 largest churches in America, the average age is 71. So, y'all, I'm just getting started. Come on, preach it. I know, just getting started. Y'all are just, most of y'all are getting started too. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Might be a few gray hairs around here. So, what are you doing with the time that you have? The little bleep in eternity. Because what you do with this time... It actually matters for the time that's coming. That was Pastor Ross's message last week. So the final seed I want to look at as your treasure, like your earthly treasure, the things you have, the money you have. And if you think of your treasure like seed, right? You don't want to eat more seed than you need, right? You don't want to eat more seed than you need because then you run out of seed. So you take what you need, but then you sow your seed and it's, it's right to prepare for the future and all that. But we need a mindset that is way beyond a 401k. The re- return on investment in the kingdom is way beyond what your 401k or your savings account is going to do. So let's look at Matthew six. Because Jesus says in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moss or death will destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I love the um, Passion Translation. It says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as treasure, as your treasure. Your heart will pursue it. So, you know, if it's okay to be honest and go, I, don't, I have never had a vision for eternity. God, give me a vision for eternity. You have not because you ask not. So if you don't have vision for it, ask for it. 
When you value eternity, you invest. So we sow extravagantly. I love that word, so extravagantly. And you invest in eternity. Because relationships are the only thing you take with you. And trust me, you cannot outgive God. Because, let's look at Luke 6, 38. This is his law of generosity. To give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Doesn't that make you want to use like a big old measuring cup? Right? I'd love to make cookies and I think of measuring cups. And I'm like, okay, what's the biggest one I have? I, I, I want to give more. Because there's something about working hard and receiving something. But let me tell you, when you give to God... And he gives back to you what you could have never done on your own. Now, that is exciting. That is exciting. So measure big because God so loved the world that he gave, right? So I just want to take a minute and, and I want to share a, a story about a season in our life where, where um, we were really giving. Now, I know many of you have amazing seasons of life that you were giving and you have stories from them and I want to hear them and you could share them, but this is just my story. And so my story starts in 2008 when Hyde and I had this season of really feeling like the Lord wanted us to do with less. He wanted us to be fat, live a fasted lifestyle. So we actually fasted food a couple days a week. Um, we, and, and even as a family, some of our dinners, we chose, okay, a, a, a Campbell's soup dinner, you know, we saved all the money from one meal and did the 79 cent meal. And so we were saving, we were fasting food. We were fasting some of our spending. We were taking, fasting some of our time that we might've spent in entertainment. We got rid of cable and we were like spending more time in worship and prayer in the word. We were reading, like we had, a, we committed, we were going to be 10 chapters, um, a day. So we were just kind of this season. It was about three years long and something happened that was beyond us. And, and we had no desire to leave where we were, but the Lord was stirring on our hearts that he might want us to move and start a, a prayer and worship ministry somewhere in Texas. And we didn't know where it was. So we shared with our pastors about it. We're like, we think this is going on. So we just want you to kind of like come in, be a multitude of advisors and counsel us that we're not crazy. And, um, and we're just going to position our hearts. Lord, do what you want to do. If you want to like cast us somewhere, then you can do that. So it turns out he did. And, and uh, Texas A&M and College Station was chosen for us. And we weren't Aggies. So like other people might be really excited about going there. But to us, it was just another city in Texas. Now we really love it. But anyway, um, our talents that we had to take were building things and prayer worship ministry. And so Hyde um, uh, built the uh, medical school campus there. And um, we used that to, for all of our income. We downsized our house, which sounds really glorious. But it, my heart was not very glorious in it. Like, I made the decision to do it. But then when I lived in it, I realized just how much I was attached to status and pride. Um, but nonetheless, it freed up money for us and it freed up time for me and to invest in people and in students and in a prayer ministry on campus. And we got connected with some students and, it's, and a prayer ministry developed and then it developed into a church plant, which we had not planned on, but 
when you start sowing eternal seeds, God starts doing stuff, right? And so then what do you do? You just have to say yes. Okay. Like it's beyond me, Lord. Being a pastor is way beyond me. I don't have training for this. I'm a biochemist. I do seeds well, you know, (laughs) yeah, but he gives you what you need to be beyond yourself and do something greater for eternity than what you can do on your own in the natural, right? So you take what you have and we did, we took what we have and we were discipling and we were leading internships and Hyde took all of his like incredible organization skills and made us like a legal entity and did all of our finances and all of our programs and managed our staff and got people paid and you know, all of these things that happened. It's a lot of work to plan a church. You know, it may look like it's easy, but let me tell you, it's the hardest, most beautiful thing you can do. And we have a vision for it here. Like, it's so needed in this city. We have four beautiful churches, and we're so excited about that. But, y'all, we need four more, like, tomorrow. We need four more tomorrow, and then four more the next day. Do you see the need here? It's really bigger than we, we pay attention to, I think. So I I just want, you know, I mean, our family sacrificed and we sowed really intentionally. And I was thinking back about it and I was just weeping. I'm like, I'm so thankful because we sowed into the next generation and what we got were sons and daughters. And now they're around the globe as pastors and missionaries and worship leaders, right? They're making a difference in the nation's. Right? And I got to be a little part of that. But it, he did all the great work. And I get to be like, wow, God, you are amazing. And you know what it makes me want to do? Like, what more can I give you? Like, what more can I give you? Because this stuff, this house, these things, this, that, it doesn't matter. Like, you matter. And what you're doing matters. And nothing else satisfies. Stuff doesn't satisfy. Right? Stuff doesn't satisfy. But I want you to know that he, in that season, he did some amazing things for us. We didn't have money for vacations and he provided vacations. Our daughter needed a car and she, the Lord gave us a car and it was a cool car, like a car the teenager wanted, not the, oh, I got to drive that car. You know, like he gave her good things, not the, oh, poor pastor gave her something special. She knew that she was seen and he took our house and he doubled the value in it in a short amount of time. Like, yeah, doubled the value in it. And in that time, here we are next to this college town, and we weren't able to save for college like we wanted to. And the Lord provided. And zero debt. And my kids all went or are still going to Texas A&M. And that's a miracle. He sees our need, and he provides. So I want to ask you, what more can you give to him? This is just my little tiny story, and you have greater stories. And today, I feel like the Holy Spirit is tugging on us. Like, what more can we give in? Maybe it's the loving relationships. Maybe we're just hard-hearted. <laughs> and we need the Lord to teach us how to sow seeds of love. Or maybe it's our ability that he's pulling on. Or maybe it's our, our, uh, our time that he's pulling on and wants us to rearrange so that it's for eternity, not just for here. Or maybe it is um, your treasure, Like it costs $150,000 y'all to plant a church. And I think at Liberty Hill would probably say it costs three times more than that. I think that's like a small number, but we're, you know, we're giving our legacy offering here on December 8th. And I want to ask you to pray about that 
And I, 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 I love to be able to give to God extravagantly ourselves, our time, our treasure. Because, you know, if we aim at nothing, that is exactly what we're going to get. But if we aim high and we aim at eternity, we give him the opportunity to measure back to us and we get a God story and we see how much he loves us. He loves to do things in relationship with us. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and the prayer team, if y'all would position yourselves on either side here. Would y'all stand? I'd like to pray for us. Father, we just love you. And if you don't mind, if you, if you feel comfortable and want to put your hands out, just as a sign of I give you, <laughs> I give you myself again. Or maybe you're giving yourself to him for the first time and you want the seed of Jesus planted in your heart. You want that which was sown on the cross and died and buried so that you could have eternal life, be alive in you and growing for eternity. Lord, we give ourselves to you again, again, and and giving you our our time, our our will, our emotions, our abilities, our love, even in the hard places. We just look to you. You have greater things here. And Father, I ask that you would release vision for greater things for Spicewood, greater things for Bee Cave, greater things for our schools here, greater things for Austin and for our capital, and greater things that we get so into, Lord, our tiny little seeds that you take and put the hand of God on and do miraculous things. And Lord, I ask that you would even sow seeds of healing in us. Lord, that you would heal us, that we could be healers. And we love you. We love you. We surrender ourselves to you again and again and set our eyes on eternity. And Father, I ask that as we go out, that you would help, you would bless our, our, um, uh, our cards, bless our invitations to feature presentation, bless our, uh, our giving cards that God loves you those little cards. Lord, bless them as we give them out. Bless them as we talk to our neighbors. Bless them as we talk to our co-workers. We love you, Jesus. We just surrender it all to you again. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com slash welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 930 and 1130. See you next time.